Hello everyone and welcome to the Good Grief Girls. I am Dr. Shanae Gilbert. And I am Kiara Shanae. And we're your hosts for Girl Talk That Heals. Today, we're discussing the silent struggle, and we have so much going on around us in our community, in our nation, in the world, till it's, Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be a disservice for us to completely ignore everything that's going on around us at the moment. Although today's show is not about COVID-19 or um, America dealing, and I think many the world dealing with police brutality and racism and how it's ingrained in our culture. So we have mass Mm -hmm. protests happening everywhere around the world. So it's not just in America. I I mean, it's it's going on everywhere. So there has been a total disruption of, I think, our way of living. And I think a lot of those activities can bring on feelings of grief. Because it's like you're, we're being called to change the way that we think, the way that we view each other. And that could bring some grief. Yes, and also the way that we're being treated. Mm-hmm. You know, that brings grief as well. Uh, because, I mean, if, if we don't stand together and put our foot down, you know, what 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 is our purpose here? We mm-hmm. we weren't brought into this world to be mistreated. We weren't brought into this world to feel less than or to have less than or to be, you know, again, unequally treated. So, hey, if if this is what it takes to get their attention, then so mm-hmm. be it. Because this has been going on far too long. And think about the the brutality that, that didn't get recorded. Right. Or, or mm-hmm. where people, no one was around to, to document this. Thank God, this you know, unfortunately, this last uh, incident, he lost his life, but it was documented. And and what what got me was the police officer had this look in his eyes like, so, so, who are you? Right, How yeah. How do you pay God with somebody's life? How, who are mm-hmm. you to pay God with someone's life? So that led me to believe because he did not flinch, because he did not, um, you know, just try to scare him. He kept his knee, repositioned himself, and, mm-hmm. and got back in a, a certain position on that neck where where a certain artery is. You've done that before. You're too yeah. comfortable doing yeah. that. You've done mm-hmm. that before. You know. So back and to your point, I didn't yes, watch the video. I I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to watch the video. I saw the one picture, and that was enough for me to look at him. The look in oh my gosh yes. was enough for me. So I've actually avoided yes. the video for my personal safety. Well, but well, um, once, I watched it once and I could not watch it again. I couldn't. I can't. I can't. I can't bring mm-hmm. myself to watch it again. Once was enough. And every time it's, they show excerpts on it, clips on the news, I'll I'll turn away and do something um, else or whatever until it goes off because I can't. That was just that was just disheartening. I can't. But yeah, Actually, I think to, the um, that we probably discuss um, in a future episode is this because um, racism shows up in so many ways. And I remember studying uh, microaggressions 
and one of the the primary um, or main areas of our lives that we we tend to experience microaggressions is in the it's those subtle um, prejudices that we hear. I remember when I worked somewhere and a white woman commented about my hair, and I remember how it mm. made me feel. And it, and I think part of the grief that some of us may be experiencing now is coming to that realization of those moments where where you inferior or be or faced with someone who felt that they were simply better than you or more valuable than you because of the color of their skin. And I always said to myself, oh, if they would say it, if they would say it to me, I would say this or I'll do this. And, it, right. and I remember reading a story about this woman who was in, I don't know, Hobby Lobby or somewhere like that. And she got into this argument with this woman about this little chafing dish. And I remember her um, speaking about her experience, and she talked about how she cried, and she never thought that that would be her response to racism, like that overt mm. racism. And for her, she said it, it took her, it was so painful, and it took her by such shock that she could do nothing but stand there and cry. When she recorded mm. the video, which is what I saw after the fact, it's because she was angry with herself that she couldn't respond differently. So it's, it's mm. one of those situations where you think you know what you'll say, you know, when you're not right. faced with that. Because I will leave, oh, I'll pop off. You call me, you know, outside my name or something right. like that. I remember that time when I had the, the colleague at the, at the time, I think she was a manager, but I felt powerless. I felt like I didn't have the, the right to tell her, no, my hair is appropriate. My hair is not unprofessional. I remember thinking in that moment and feeling like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear my hair like this. And it's, and it's just hair. Of course, we talk about hair all the time, especially in uh, black women in our oh, culture. And we okay. want to believe Wait that it's just hair. Wait a minute. When you said that a comment was made about your hair, I thought I didn't take it as derogatory. What was stated? I thought it was made happened, something at the they... time. I had those, um, you know, the kinky, we call it kinky twists. They're like um, two strands twists where they kind of look like faux locks. And this was at yeah. least 10, 12 years. Now it's a little more popular. But back then, so it was like the kinky twist. I think that's what we called them back mm-hmm. then. So I looked, I appeared okay. to have fake dreadlocks. And when I, oh, she didn't say anything okay. when I had the hairstyle. What happened when I showed back up to work, I don't know, months later with my short pixie cut, that's when she did something to me. She was like, oh, I like this hairstyle a little better. She said, your last hairstyle wasn't professional. Those were her exact words. Whoa. She put him off the door and said, oh, I really like your hair. Your last hairstyle was not professional. And I remember I sat there and stared at her because I did know in that moment what to say, but those are those microaggressions that we experience at, in the workplace that prove to us that racism has a lot to do with power, the power that, you know, white, white supremacy is ingrained in our society where people feel like they even have the right to comment about a hairstyle. Right. That I right. had absolutely no bearing on my work performance, and I wasn't in a position where I, you know, stood in front of customers and things of that nature, which of course should matter either. But but it was none of that, so it couldn't it could not have been a case of oh we have to present you to customers. You know, we went to work with flops and shorts. You know, it was a very casual work environment. 
But my, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we, we experience those, those microaggressions that over years, decades, slowly eat at us. And I think mm-hmm. what we're seeing now in our society is a lot of that rage that we've had pent up where we felt like we couldn't say anything we can't do anything and we just dealt with it and we've been silent about how we're pissed off that we have to, you know, cold when we go into the workplace and we have to make up stories about things that we're doing because we don't want mm-hmm. our coworkers to know that we had a barbecue in the backyard and had watermelon and, and fried chicken because there are these negative connotations, you know, associated with some of the things that we actually enjoy doing. Why can't we be proud? that we like watermelon for all of this health benefits. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think mm. we, that may be a discussion that we can possibly have that this grief that comes with this mass awakening, I think a lot of us mm-hmm. is feeling that we realize, you know, that our rage is valid. And, you know, this idea of burning shit down, you know, that's because we're enraged and we've been carrying right. it for all this time and it's been built up. And we'll say that we all have this breaking point or, you know, oh, he or yeah. she is just a ticking, a walking time bomb. You know, we make statements like that, but those are true, especially when you yeah, want to be silent. A lot of this, a lot of this has been suppressed. So that's why mm-hmm. when we go through our grieving phase, if we mm-hmm. aren't allowed a safe place to vent um, yep. or to, you know, or to cry or whatever, yes, what happens? We busy ourselves with our work or whatever project, and that stuff starts falling by the wayside. But oh, it could be in the midnight hour, in the middle of the day, early in the morning. Right. You're out of school, mm-hmm. you're crying, you're snapping. You don't know where it's coming from. It's coming from unresolved emotions. Yes. You haven't mm-hmm. you didn't deal with what since you were in the spiral in the first place. So this uh-huh. has been years of suppression. This has been years of yes. suppression. So it's like no more. Enough is enough. So yeah. yeah, people are enraged because uh, this this racism has been um, this topic of racism has been it has been discussed for years, decades, but there's never really a there's never been at least in my opinion a real solution to combat Mm-mm. it because not Mm-mm. everyone is on board. Some people say face, some celebrities say face when they really mean they show you that I mean they tell you they're going to do something, but they show different, or some people are silent stand behind the scenes like there's no real resolve to it you know so yeah. this has been suppressed where people are you know just acting out yes and i get it i get it we are not here to talk about racism i know how we got on the subject but uh, <laughs> i guess discussing current events we had to talk about it but it does play into this today's in which we're talking about that silent struggle and the need to mm-hmm. hide your grief and how some environments and some people and some circles and some spaces don't make it safe for us or make us feel safe enough to share what we're dealing with and how we truly feel when we've experienced some deep loss or we're dealing with grief, that we all tend to not always be in a space where we feel safe enough to share that so we, we're fine about it. And suffering in silence. So today we want to introduce that subject so that we can finally break the break the silence when it comes to grief. And specifically in the case of today's um, guest, we're talking about the grief that comes after pregnancy and child loss. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is another great topic to discuss because that's not really um, discussed too often as well. No. Especially um, you know? miscarriage, pregnancy loss, for sure. When it comes to child no, loss, because, there seems yeah, to be. Yeah, because you have people you know, that, that feel embarrassed, uh, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 So they feel great possible. And some, some women actually feel like they're responsible for what happens to them. Right. Or there's, there's shame associated with pregnancy and child loss. There is regret. There's guilt. There's, you know, this fear of failing yourself, your family, society, because society has placed this responsibility on women that it's our responsibility to repopulate. So if you're unable to do that, there's some shame associated with that because it's like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. So if, and we discussed mm-hmm. this when we talked about childness a few weeks ago, that if I'm, if I'm unable to reproduce, it's like you now, society says you have no value. Oh. Now your responsibility to find what your value is, especially when we have a society that's built around the woman's role is to be barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I sound like my dad. No. But yeah, you get <laughs> So let me go ahead and introduce today's guest. We have Miss Ashley joining us. Yay! And yay! She's actually a three-time <laughs> best-selling author and compiler. She's the author of I Can Breathe Again. She has co-authored in two other best-selling collaborations. Miss CEO, Ain't No Plan B, I hope I pronounced that right, and Turning Your Pain into a Weapon of Mass Destruction. She is a wife and mother, but starting a family was challenging for her. Ashley lost twin babies at seven months of pregnancy. She is a victor over infant loss, depression, and grief. Her mission is to encourage other mothers and families that healing is possible after child loss. Ashley has appeared on Indianapolis Fox 59, WRB6, WTHR13 news station. She has been a guest on WTLC 106 Seven, Nikki Rich and Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, Glabatitious, Miami Night Grief Talk, and Sister in Law's podcast had Ash on as guest as a guest as well. She has published with Sheen, Miss CEO, Women of Influence Online Magazine, Atlanta News Journal, Formidable Women's Magazine, and Chicago Now. Ashley has used these platforms as well as speaking opportunities to share her story and mission to make difference in the lives of others. She is the CEO and founder of her publishing company, ESIS Publishing. She helps angel mamas validate their feelings, reconnect with their identity after loss, uplift their self-esteem, and position their story to inspire others. She coaches and mentors her clients through the writing process and self-publishing in her Right to Heal mentorship. As she coaches and mentors her clients, Ashley gives emotional support to her clients struggling with the past or recent loss of a child. Ashley resides in Indianapolis with her husband and 
and three boys. To book Ashley as a speaker, well, we'll let her give her contact information at the end, but we want to welcome Miss Ashley K. I like to do that. <laughs> that was a rock star introduction, girl. Welcome to the girl show. Thank you. Were you listening? Who is she talking about? That's how I always feel when someone is introduced to me. I'm like, oh, who's that? Yeah. So we're happy to have you here. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm so grateful for this. Thank you. Yes. So we didn't mean to get off topic in the beginning talking about current events, but let's start with that. Let's start there. And how are you coping during this time? Is it a trigger for you? Because I still counsel women who have experienced child loss. And from at the start of COVID, I saw an influx of um, clients. So at the start of um, COVID, I saw an influx of clients, and that was primarily because it's somewhat of a trigger for a lot of women, this this period. So has this been, oh, I think we lost, oh, here she is. But has this been, has this period been a trigger for you in any way of some of your past pain or moments that you thought you had healed or more? And seeing a lot of the images, like I said, I did not watch. I'm, I'm aware of some of my triggers, and I just felt seeing the process of George Floyd passing away would have been a trigger for me. So I stayed away from that. I stayed away from a lot of the conversation surrounding yes. it because I know it would be too much for me. So how have you mm-hmm. been navigating this process, especially for someone mm-hmm. who, who helps other people? Yes, it is it, it, it was it's been very triggering for me actually. And you know, when we talk about grief, we can have grief from almost anything in our lives, okay? Mm-hmm. So yep. um, So when I actually saw the video myself, like it I, I just it, something started to rise in me and I'm like mm-hmm. So it, it it yes, it's been very hard to deal with and my heart aches for, you know, everybody. My heart aches for everybody. And I just can't believe this is where we are. But I feel that change is going to come. Change is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's change that has been needed for a very, very long time. And I think that we will get the change that we need um, to help, mm-hmm. help everything that is happening and taking place. Um, but, yes, I really had to take some time to myself and really sort through those emotions that I was kind of resorted back to the, the methods and, and tools that I know to use for myself when I started to feel grief emotions uh, because it was it was coming on strong. And it I, don't, I didn't know what, what to do with it at first. Mm-hmm. So I had to take some time with myself and kind of work through it. I think one of the lessons that I learned from my experience with um, infant loss is taking ownership of how I feel and understanding that no one outside of myself is responsible for making me feel better or making me understand how I'm feeling. And that's one of the lessons that I've carried throughout my journey that actually makes me feel comfortable saying that I can't participate in everything 
every conversation. I can't participate in every debate. I can't read every um, blog. Now we're being inundated with videos. So it's like, okay, I can't watch every video. I think sometimes we can consume so much information. I believe some people are capable of doing that, and they're okay. They can process it all, or they can respond appropriately to each one. But some of us, you have to, like, know your limitations, and I know that's one of my limitations, that I'm probably going to end up lashing out or being angry and, you know, getting upset. So I choose to just not participate in it all. And I think some people may not feel comfortable seeing because it feels like I'm not participating or I don't care or it's not yeah. important to me. It's not that. It's just that my sanity is more important. Important, yes. Yes. That's wow. That's not- and also, it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Say that again, you know? That's. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> real there. Yeah, it's yeah. okay not to be okay because I, I, that bothered me for three days. I didn't sleep well. I guess I shouldn't have watched I didn't sleep well for three days, I, and I guess my spirit was so grieved because I was mm-hmm. like, man, I, I I immediately went, and that could have been my son, that could have been my dad, my brother, mm-hmm. my cousin, my uncle. You know, it, I was like, man, it, and, you know, this is 2020, and we still dealing with this type of stuff? Yeah. This is scary. Yes, yes It's scary. Yeah. It is scary, especially a mother. That, I think that is scary. And Ashley, you have two sons, is it? I'm sorry. You have two sons? I have three. I have three boys. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have yeah. three boys. I, I have struggled with this. You know, my mission is don't struggle in silence. But what we're going through in the world right now, I have found myself struggling in silence um, only because, mm-hmm. I, I, and I hesitate a little to even share, but I, I'm, I'm choosing to go on my mission and my faith, and I'm going to share um, but I, my, I'm, my kids are biracial, and mm-hmm. I felt very, um, I felt like I needed to be silent in a sense because I just didn't want any kind of feed, negative feedback in any way that could make mm-hmm. anyone feel any different. Um, but <laughs> that's my family. I have fought very hard for my family and my children to even right. be here, um, and I'm very proud of my family. So I just. I was, I don't know, I just felt, I felt stuck. I felt very stuck. But as I talk about it and share, um, I, I began to, to feel okay. Because I feel like really when we're going through grief, you know, one thing that kind of helps along the, the journey is, is speaking up about it and talking about it. And then you start to learn other people's perspective to kind of, you know, see their perspective and where they're coming from. So, yeah, I do have three boys. Um, I have a Almost nine year old, a seven year old, and a one year old little boy. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a blessing. It is a blessing. Now, today, I understand the challenges, but it's definitely a blessing, especially when your journey to motherhood was not in a way that you probably would have script, or it wasn't happy ever after, or it didn't include mm-hmm. some bumps and hurdles. You know, so how was your journey to motherhood? Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Um, at the age of 23, um, I became pregnant with uh, twins, a boy and a little girl. And um, oh. close to my seventh month of mark, I went into preterm labor and oh. didn't even know I was really in labor. I don't know if I really knew what to expect. Um, 
being 23 and then um, just not familiar with my body in this new state. So um, I ended up going into preterm labor, and uh, my little girl was born first, REA, and she passed away maybe 15 minutes after birth on my chest. And then my little mm. boy was born, and he passed away in his dad's arms. Um, and just that alone, as you can imagine, was very hard to, to work through, and it caused a lot of um, issues in my marriage. And uh, that's another part that a lot of people don't talk about is the, the aftermath of what happens mm-hmm. in a man and a woman. And I learned the hard way is that men and women grieve differently. I, thought, I think that's mm-hmm. so important to share that because, I expected for my husband to grieve the same exact way as I did. And mm-hmm. when, I found, when I found that that wasn't happening, I was like, well, are you over this already? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and now as I've come through, you know, got further on my healing journey and, and, and process a lot more, I now understand that men and women grieve different, and that's okay. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I realized that he was being more, he was trying to be strong for me to hold me up to keep us going as one, but that, you know, that, that was hard. That was a challenge in itself. But after we had the twins, I, overall, I've had, I had the twin loss and then I've had um, five additional miscarriages in between the boys. Wow. So it has definitely been a long journey, but, but get this though, when I really started to, dig down in meditation and prayer and really going forth in my healing journey. I got pregnant with Cassius. And do you know that was my only pregnancy that I didn't have no uh, bed rest, no progesterone shot, no, no issues, none whatsoever because my mind wow. and spirit my soul was, was clear. Everything was healthy again. And so my body mm-hmm. was ready. After life. And so I was able to enjoy that pregnancy and go full term without not a one problem. Wow. Praise God. That's amazing. <laughs> that shows you the importance of being clear, clearly centered, and having, you know, purpose, personal purpose, and understanding where you stand with yourself and, and doing that self work. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot here on the show about the importance of introspection. What role do you play in a failed relationship or, you know, your career not working out? What work, What part do you play in the process? Sometimes you have to step back and take ownership of where you are in your life and what can I do better? What can I do to enter into my life? I think that's where prayer and meditation comes into place. Into mm-hmm. place. That's how you invite more goodness into your life. So having those extremely important ongoing for the rest of our lives, you know, we should be yes. practicing those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with your other uh, pregnancies, um, Ashley, did you carry um, or continue the meditation process with your other pregnancies? So uh, with William, William was my oldest, was the first baby after the twin loss, and then I had a miscarriage after the twins. So I had, well, I was not introduced into uh, meditation and uh, journaling and all that until um, after I had my second son. So I, I, gotcha. I, none of, I never, none of, I, none of that never really opened up until after I had my second son. Um, but once I 
got a hold to that, and I was in, diligent with my prayer and faithful with God. Because before all that, I was mad at God. <laughs> I was mad. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I went through all of that. Um, but one time, I don't know what clicked or what happened, but I was, it just, I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it was just timing or if I was ready for it. I don't know. But once that did open up for me, I ran with it because I found that once I started to pay attention to how I was thinking, it was dictating how I was feeling. Mm. <laughs> That's a good nugget there. That's a good nugget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. And, and so once I, and, and then I started paying attention to how I was thinking and if I found myself, you know, not feeling up to par, I would pay attention to how I was thinking and I would change it. And I would not, and I do, I do it to this very day. Even when I'm starting to think negative, like with everything that's going on, I would switch it and, and find something positive to focus on to help me feel better and to help me start attracting more positive, you know, thoughts. And those positive thoughts would help literally lift my mood up. It works every time. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's true because our mind is powerful, and so it can dictate, you know, it's, it's, it's our head, you know, it's in our head. So it can dictate or set the tone for our day. It could. They said, would you be, have you ever heard of the saying, I choose to be happy? I guess. Mm-hmm. To have a positive attitude? Yes, we have choices. And so when you yes. make your mind, when you have your mindset and you make your mind up, well, you know, despite what I'm facing, despite what's going on, I choose to be mm-hmm. happy yes. and, and smile. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Affirmation. Yeah. I do daily affirmations when I get up in the morning, and I know just the gratitude and thanking God for everything that I have literally every yes. single morning. I pay attention yes. how my day goes. And if I miss a day, uh, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Like, it literally set I, I set my day up for success when I get up and be grateful and thank God for everything that I have and literally my day goes that much better. Literally. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the truth. Having an attitude of gratitude is how we should live our lives daily. Now that's a fact. Wow. That's what I can agree with. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna get some information about this new project that you have going on. And we'll continue our discussion about silent struggle. You're tuned into the Good Grief Girls show here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back right Hi, this is Ashley K. Pittman, and you're listening to the Good Grief Girls show. Head on over to www.don'tstruggleinsilence.info and order your copy of our brand new book, Collaboration, don't struggle in silence. I am a victor. Released on five twenty-eight. I promise. I promise you will not be disappointed.
Hey, hey, we're back, and you're listening to the Good Grief Girl Show on Blog Talk Radio. The topic for today is silent struggle. And right before the break, we have our guest Ashley on today, and she is going to tell us about her new project and why it's necessary. So, Ashley, tell us the name of your project, uh, its purpose, and why. What what's your why? Why was it developed? Absolutely. So um, the name of the project that we have just released is a book, a collaboration um, with six other amazing women sharing their story of pregnancy loss and their healing journey. Um, And the purpose behind this was to bring, continue to bring awareness around pregnancy loss um, in a whole, Mm -hmm. because I feel like pregnancy loss and miscarriage and infant loss is such a taboo topic that we don't talk about as we should, like we talk about, you know, other things. Um, and we want to just really just bring awareness and hope to other angel mamas and families and, and, and uh, relationships that struggle with this, but they might, you know, might feel alone. That That's is great. And it's actually a collaboration with other mothers who have experienced pregnancy loss. Is that what that is? Yes, yes. We have some very dynamic um stories from you know um oh god um abuse to mm. um abortion to infertility i mean it's it's mm. many different stories many different situations um that everyone can someone can relate to every woman in this book um and i know it would um it, it is possible that you know reading someone else's story especially if you still are you know fresh or you have not quite dealt with those emotions just yet, um, it may be triggering. Um, but if you need, if you're feeling stuck or you might feel alone or, or have a unique situation that you just need a, a boost to move forward, this collaboration and these stories would definitely, definitely do you some good. Um, because these ladies put their, 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 their love in this. They are very vulnerable telling their story. First, we know mm-hmm. we're talking about this kind of thing is not easy, you know. Because right. sometimes it puts you might it might put you put you back in that place, and you're like, "Well, do I want to go? Do I want to go back there? Do I want to touch that?" Uh, but right. going through, you know, writing it out, you know, you, it might help release some things mm-hmm. that you might not know that needed to be released. Um, but working through this project, that that happened with several other other women. That was mm-hmm. like, I thought I dealt with this, but then as they were getting, you know, we were going through the project and the process, they were like, I needed this more than I realized. Mm-hmm. So Ashley, how did you find your participants? Like, how how did you get women um, to agree, or where did you find them? Were they personal friends and family members? Like. Mm-mm, no, I actually put a call out on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, and I had a oh. photo of. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was, I was nervous at first because I know how vulnerable this topic is. I was like, "We're gonna buy respond," you know. But I had a total of twelve women that responded, um, and wanted to do it, but some either something else took place or something came up. But it ended up being six women um, ready, moving forward, support every every part of this mission, and yeah, that they, they no, I one person, one of the authors I did know from a previous collaboration, but the other women came mm-hmm. in very organically, organically. Oh wow, 
Wow, I love that. I love it. Is I love that you included abortion. That's what I want to give the disclaimer that we're not. um, We don't claim to be pro-life or pro-choice. We're pro-healing, which is why I think it's important to this abortion. Abortion is one of those areas that I think brings so many women shame, especially a woman who goes on to experience other forms. Of pregnancy and infant loss, there's always yeah. this stigma associated with that abortion that she had. I've counseled women mentioned their abortions and they felt that their subsequent experiences with um, fertility issues was a punishment for that choice yeah. that they made. Mm-hmm. This grief and guilt that women who probably had very valid reasons for making that choice, some of them were forced to make that choice by parents, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, their mates, their significant others. So it's not always, you know, a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray areas surrounding abortion. So we have a lot of women who are carrying that grief and that guilt mm-hmm. and severe shame associated with abortion that I love that even brought topic out where we cannot, we can discuss abortion without making it about the choice or about, yeah. you know, or, or politicizing to, you know, minimize the grief and the experience, because I've had women share what it feels like to lie on that yes. table and how yes. worthless it felt, you know, when the doctor mm-hmm. would go inside, you know, to hear that process. I don't think we discuss mm-hmm. that part and we, we dehumanize the women for their decision. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we invalidate their feelings, very real feelings that they have. I love Absolutely. that you yep. that story. Absolutely. We had, it has different, it's very different situations. And the women were very open. They were very open. Now, we started to get to the publishing part, and some of them were a little nervous. It's like, I'm, really? I was, was worried about judgment. Yeah. They was worried about judgment or, you know, how would somebody perceive them? And I said, you know, it's part of the writing process, this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. But I just mentor them through the process to let them know that you are here for a reason. Someone needs your story, and you also need your story. So allow someone else to be, allow your story to help the next person. Because, and I I found that going through our losses, I I wish I would have had something like this. You know, I wish (laughs) I would have had, you know, to been able to validate my feelings more and not feel Mm -hmm. so alone. No, because. I'm coming up on my 11th year anniversary with the twins, and I could have, if I would have had someone similar or a group of women, um, I feel like I would have been a lot further or not suffered mm. for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. What challenges did you experience when you were silent about your grief, and what motivated you to finally speak up? And what I is a is this this urge of freedom like and once you finally put it feels so good because it can be hurtful it's dealing with grief is painful the process of healing is painful but there's some freedom that comes liberation that comes with making that decision what challenges did you face throughout that part of the process yes depression depression was real bad um mm. I, 
like I was in this, this dark hole that I had no way how to get out of. I, I, I remember feeling like I wish for someone to just give me a lifeline, just a little bit, just give me a little piece of the rope. Just pull me back, pull me, pull me just a little bit. I remember thinking that and feeling that way. Um, panic attacks. I suffered with panic attacks like no other. I remember, I remember I would lay in bed and my heart would just thump and thump mm. and thump. I would have panic attacks at work. Um, the communication, like I shared earlier with my, my marriage, the communication fell apart. Like, it it derailed my entire life. It derailed mm-hmm. everything. But even now, as I think back, I, I, I think back, well, how was I thinking? My thinking made, you know, I, I thought about how I was thinking, and I know I was very focused on the mourning piece and grieving of what I had lost. But as I continued on my healing journey and I began to share my story openly with other people and I could get some, you know, someone to resonate with me, I, I found myself feeling less lonely. I found myself feeling less, mm. um, I don't know, I get guilty or, or shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, those feelings started to, to resolve. And then what turns for me, and I really love sharing, <laughs> sharing this part, is in 2017, I began a new uh, a new position in a hospital, and I had this coworker. Maybe I was six months into the position, and it was coming up on one of the the anniversary ninth anniversary of the twins. And I started to feel the depression. I started to feel the anxiety attacks. I started to feel all that like automatically. And I would not always share that with everybody, but I shared it with her. I'm not quite. Maybe I don't just try to feel connected. I don't know, but I shared it with her. And do you know she went and got me. Uh, an angel and had the twins' named engraved on it, oh. and that meant <laughs> that meant the world to me. It was someone else acknowledging my loss, and it was mm-hmm. everything. So that blossomed into me writing my book, into my collaboration. That blossomed into my healing. Um, and then, uh, so five days after that, I remember laying in bed, and I was like, I thought I was about to have another anxiety attack, and I felt like this this Something, something was overcoming me. I was like, oh, here we go again. Um, but this, I started to like, it was like a release. It was, it was God delivering me of that pain, the heartache, the mourning, and the grief. And I remember feeling mm-hmm. like I to breathe again. Have you, do you, can, you, can you relate to that? I yeah, like I for sure. Again. Like I literally began to exhale very deeply. And, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's what kind of that's what happened, and I remember the next day I was I was looking for that pain. I was looking for it, but it it was it was not there. That pain, that the heartache, that morning as I would approach the twins' anniversary, that was no longer there, and that has not been there ever since. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so what would you say, Ashley? What would you say is your personal support system? Like, yes. did did you have a, an accountability? Um, partner, someone who checked in on you every so often? Did you have a support group? Like, what's your personal support system? Um, I, I began counseling sessions. I began to do mm-hmm. counseling sessions, and that mm-hmm. really helped me a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. it allowed me to be able to express, you know, how I really felt without, you know, trying to tiptoe around somebody else's feelings, whether it's, you know, my husband or a family member. Because um, I felt like that when I would speak about it, sometimes it would make them feel uncomfortable. So mm. I, I share as openly, or I was only share so much. So when I was going to counseling, I was able to say whatever I wanted 
and then have to worry right. about hurting somebody's feelings or somebody feeling bad or making somebody feel bad. Right. So that was that was my, my, my support was, you know, counseling. And then, of course, my husband, when, you know, communication was okay, um, and then friends, you know, friends and family was there, but at the same time, I found myself having to tiptoe sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. That's true, especially that part about tiptoeing. And I, I thought about it when you, when you told the story about your coworker. And what happens in those moments when people acknowledge your pain is like they're giving you your voice. Because part yeah. of my struggle is is feeling like we don't have a voice or that your voice isn't important or your voice doesn't matter or whatever long experience has silenced your voice. So what happens when you have these encounters with people who can't understand, they actually give you give you a voice. And that's so important. I think one of the important parts about one, this platform that each one of us has is that it helps us to reach back now that we to the other side, which does not make this side any easier, I believe, than it was when we were deep in grief. But I think it's important to reach back and bring others along this journey is because you start to realize that you're not alone, that you don't have to be silent about what has happened to you, that you can find your tribe. I like to call it, you know, you find your tribe. You find the people who can be a champion for you for what it is that I need at that moment, understanding that those needs change and our roles change, but you can actually find your tribe. So yes, what right. steps would that you encourage right. someone to take to overcome their loss? I'm sorry? What steps would you encourage someone to take to overcome their loss, like okay. to that process of finding your, your voice? Yes, I would... I... I would say, you know, the biggest thing for me was just sharing, sharing with whoever was mm-hmm. listening, because that, that was very therapeutic for me, and that helped me because I, I found that keeping it in it it made me it made me not feel good. It didn't do anything for me. It didn't serve me in any way, shape, or form. Um, but this is what I shared is just you know, prayer meditation, journaling, 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 writing was very big for me and just being able to express how I felt even when no one was around, even if, even if it was just me at home by myself, um, writing actually, it helped, it helped a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, just really focusing on or thinking about how I was thinking that and determined how I was feeling. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have a lot of support groups. I did not. I, I cannot say that I did, and and other and what other women may, and I really and I'm I'm very happy that other women do have bigger support systems, but I I just I didn't. So it really was just me and God along the way a lot of the time. Mm. Mm. So what That's what part true. of your journey has been what what part of your journey would you say has been most fulfilling? Helping other women, being that mm. support. For other women, um, taking you know, I, I'm okay now. I'm okay now. So me mm-hmm. being able to yeah. give back, help other women, either just to be that, be that, that the somebody to validate their feelings with, or to help mm. them, or write a book, or help them start a foundation, or just ha- just be there with them in that moment, in the thickness of it, and just telling them, I know how you feel. Um, that mm-hmm. has been, man, the most rewarding. Um, of all of this is being able to give back to others. 
Yeah, that's such a cliche statement that we yep. we, we say like, oh, go help someone else, or you'll feel better if you help someone else. We hear it all the time, mm-hmm. but it's so true. We speak that yeah. here all the it's time true. that sometimes that is the solution. Go find go find someone to help. It can be a total stranger. You can help them huh? do something that you are completely um, unequipped to do, but just helping them and seeing the joy that they get from you helping mm-hmm. them can help elevate you. And sometimes it's just that simple. Go help someone. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to yep. be on a large platform through an organization or you don't have to be right. like us, um, you know, start foundations or write books. It can be something very simple. Go volunteer at a local shelter yes. or a school yes. or go to the library and read for the kids. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many ways that we can share ourselves on a smaller scale and it can have just as important impact as it could yes. on these larger platforms that we want to be better, if we really wanted to do better, we could. Yes, absolutely. I can totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So tell us a little <laughs> more about some of the events that you have coming up where our listeners can keep in contact with you, where they'll know, you know, what you have going on, all that good stuff, because I know that you're busy and you have, if you're in the helping community, that means you're always doing something to help someone. So tell us about all the good stuff you got going on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, First, I am so happy to be putting together and to be the host of a a virtual summit um, called Fill Your uh, Empty Arms with Hope. And that Mm. summit will include uh, walking our audience through the process of validating your feelings, forgiveness, um, nurturing your marriage after loss. Um, we, in the virtual events, we will have a praise dance performance, live prayer session um, in this event. And I feel that this event will be very impactful. And it's, it's around pregnancy loss, but I feel like someone that's, that's dealing with grief um, will really be able to take a lot of good nuggets and hope from this event. Um, and it's, uh, the event will start on July the 11th. It's one day, and uh, more information mm-hmm. about that event could be found on my website here soon at www.ashleykpittman.com. Um, and I have that event going on, and I also am still helping and mentoring other women that's in this space that needs uh, just a hand. I lock arms with you guys uh, to help you along the way just to, you know, so you won't feel so alone because you're not. You're not at all. Mm-hmm. And the process of mentoring women as they aspire to be writers or authors, is that an ongoing process that you or service that you offer, or is it only when you're actively on a project? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I do offer the collaboration. Anyone that wants to come together with other women that don't want to just, you know, do a full book, but you still want to have that voice and tell your story, I run those collaborations. And then I also do help um, do one-on-one publications as well um, if you want to tell your story in a whole mentorship that I have as well. And that Mm -hmm. mentorship is a 16-week mentorship from developing the manuscript, so the editing, the phase, the book cover, publishing, marketing, and also helping you get exposure as well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's good. You're busy, girl. Good we love you. We love to see it. Yeah. Wait. But you, you know what? I like your energy. I like your energy 
is um what is that? I you work. Hello? I'm sorry. That's big girl. That was fireworks. Mercy, that's a scary. <laughs>
it's just not discussed or people aren't willing to confront it so that they can push through it, you know? So continue what you do. Continue what you do. I support you. I support you all the way. Continue. Continue walking in your purpose. Yes, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly enjoyed having you. I told you the very first time that I talked to you, I mean, you felt like an old girlfriend. We were able to (laughs) just, you know, talk. I can feel that connection. I, I completely agree with Shanae about your energy, and that's important when God chooses you to to enter into spaces that are filled with grief and sadness and hopelessness. It's important that you carry that energy into that space, that you don't have yes. to conform to that space. God is yes. So that yes, absolutely. So I, yes. I will not for one second take, take away from the purpose that God has given you. I, I choose my blessings any way that I can support um, your mission, your vision. I'm available yeah. uh, to offer my, my experience that I had with Interlost. Um, I've been trying to get Sinead to help me to write a book okay. that oh, is on my to-do you. list. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is on my to-do list. But, yes, so one day I will join you. But um, thank you so much for being here with us. We have enjoyed this conversation, the yes. insight that you give to the subject, your invaluable resources. We thank you. We love you. And we enjoyed having you today. So thank you for stopping by, Ms. Ashley. No problem, ladies. Thank you for this opportunity. Amazing opportunity. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Let it go. Reframe Grief Conversation. Click subscribe and leave your glowing iTunes review. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at goodgrief underscore girl. Join our Facebook group, Good Grief Girl, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Good Grief Girl. Then join us here next week for more girl talk that heals.